You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Well, good morning. My name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you, good morning. Um, If you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 4. So as some of you know, about two and a half weeks ago, my wife and I, namely my wife, had our baby, and um, little Andrew Henry Meyer came into the world a little afternoon on Wednesday the 28th, and uh, man, just having a baby in the house is just something else. <laughs> it's something else. You know, I was telling some of you that by the time you have your third one, you're just as tired as you were for the, the first two, but you're just not as surprised by it. <laughs> so the first one, it's just like, what is, what is going on? Like, I just, I guess they were serious. I will just never, ever sleep again in my whole life. So this too shall pass. But we're so uh, glad he's healthy. Kayla is just a rock star and a champion. And so thank you so many of you for reaching out and being so generous with us. Um, it's amazing. I've, I've, I've told many people what a blessing it is to raise your family in a community like this, where there's lots of uh, mamas and papas, lots of grandmas and grandpas and brothers and sisters, lots of people for your kids to grow up and look up to as examples of what it is to follow and serve Jesus. Isn't that awesome? It's really awesome. So keep having those babies. This last year, the entirety of this last year, we've been... um, unpacking this theme as a community of kingdom. That Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is near, that it's this idea of the, it's here, but it's also not yet completely been realized. Uh, The idea of already, but not yet. And we've been unpacking all the different things about what it means to be a citizen of this kingdom. And this morning is the the last message of this year-long theme that we've had um, in of kingdom, and this morning I want to talk to you about a church on mission, a church on mission, and uh, over the coming weeks, you're not going to want to miss it, um, next week Drew's going to k- kick off a, a new series on awakening, looking at revivals throughout scripture, uh, throughout the Bible, and you're not going to want to miss that, but I feel like this morning is an appropriate um, segue to this next series. Um, I've just had this prayer burning on my heart over the last weeks of um, this simple prayer of God, would you, would you shake us? Would you shake us? And, you know, we've talked about the world being shaken by the, all the events that have happened. Like the, all the world systems have been shaken. They've been tested and um, they've been shaken in a way that, and we've been shaken in a way that we, it's, it's, it's been an indicator of what we put our trust in, what we've put our faith in. Well, this morning, the shaking that I'm talking about is not that kind of shaking. This morning, what I want to talk to you about is a shaking that comes when the Holy Spirit comes upon a people. When the Holy Spirit comes and descends, when his presence comes and shakes a people. Think about it if you had an old book on your, on your shelf, and it's been sitting there untouched for years and years. The first thing you would do is probably blow all the dust off of that. And as I, that picture came to my mind this, this week as I was preparing in this, those simple words of God shake us, that the Holy Spirit would come and breathe upon us, would come blow upon us and blow all the dust and blow all the chaff and blow all the, the extra um, superfluous things off of our lives. God, would you shake us? But it's a scary prayer because what it truly means is that we 
would be people that would be surrendered to this king. Surrender is a novel thought, and we all talk about it and want to do it, but it's scary. It's a vulnerable place. Because we're surrendering without knowing fully what we're surrendering to. (laughs) The Bible says in Psalms that we serve a God who does what he wants. And so now we can trust in his character that it's going to be good, that it's going to be something that furthers his kingdom. But it's a scary and vulnerable place to surrender. It's like when you get married. You're surrendering yourself to someone, but you have no, if you're not married, I want you to know, you have no idea what you're you're agreeing to. You may think you do, but you have no idea. It's similar as the way when we surrender ourselves to the Lord, we say, God, we surrender, would you shake us? Would you shake us? And some of us have, been found sleeping. You know, my son, he's almost three, and he's in this place, that, that transitionary period of, like, napping and, or not napping. If he takes a nap, he doesn't fall asleep until, like, nine or ten at night. He'll just lay in there. And so we said, well, we're, we're going to stop giving it. If we give him a nap, then he's, like, out immediately. Or if he doesn't take a nap, he's, like, out immediately. But sometimes we'll find him in various places. We'll walk in, and he's just sleeping on the floor. Or he'll just go grab a blanket and just go lay on the couch and fall asleep. Or we'll be on our way somewhere and he'll fall asleep in the car. And so what happens is that we, we try to wake him up. We say, Dean, wake up. And he actually sit him up and his head's all like, and his eyes will open. I think I have a picture here of what it looks like. <laughs> that his eyes are open, but he's not awake and he's resisting it. He's resisting being awakened. And, you know, we went to the Miracle Park last week, and he fell asleep on the way there. And we're, he loves it. He loves it there. And we're like, Dean, wake up. We're at the park. We're at the park. Wake up. And he was, that face, again, just like. And I literally had to stand him up. And he's sitting there like this. And then all of a sudden he wakes up, and he looks around. And he's like, oh, yeah, park. And he <laughs> runs off to the park and plays. If we want God to shake us, we can't resist it. We have to be surrendered. We have to surrender, and I know that's a scary place, but we pray these prayers, and I love that God is so gracious and so willing and so generous with us that sometimes we're praying these prayers we don't even know what we're asking. There was a time in my life after I gave my heart to the Lord that I, I, I prayed this prayer. I was in this place of striving. I was in this place of just trying really hard on my own to be a good boy. And I was growing weary because you can't do that for very long on your own. That's what the grace of God is. The grace of God is his empowering agent for you to live for him. Well, I was trying on my own to just follow after him. And I remember writing in my journal a prayer similar to this. God, would you rock my world? Would you rock my world? Not knowing what it is that I was actually asking him to do. But God is so faithful that he'll give us what we ask, and not long after that, I had an experience with Holy Spirit where he literally shook me to the core. And the sin in my life was no longer okay. The depression and anxiety had fallen off my life. And the mission of what I was put on this planet was clear in that moment, in the shaking. And there was a clear evidence of the shaking after it happened. You know, I really believe that we, we as a people, we can't decide what 
Everybody else is going to do what all, all the churches in this, in this city or, or in our, 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 our nation are going to do. But we can say, as for us, as for us, God, would you shake us? Would you do something in us that means something? Would you do something in us? Because I, many people, many of us through this last year, we're just trying to survive, just trying to hang on. Right? We've come out of it and we're kind of like, rubbing our eyes like a bear in hibernation, and we're looking around being like, oh, wow, that's a human. That's cool. I forgot what they looked like. But we're in this daze, and we've just been trying to survive. Just hang on. Well, you were not meant to just survive. You were meant for life and life abundantly. And same as it is with the church, churches were not meant to just survive. When we find ourselves in that poverty and even survival mentality, we lose our way. We lose the mission. And a church without mission has lost its way. In the same way, which we say uh, the truth, uh, uh, the truth is that, that uh, a church without power, a church without God's presence has lost its way. That's why we come here every week and we say, God, we want you. If, we, if you're not here, there's no point in us meeting here. And we have no aspirations of building this huge kingdom of life point. There's no desire for celebrity status pastors. But that when people would enter this place, they would see this one, Jesus, King Jesus. I want us to ask this question because if there's no power here, if there's no presence here, if there's no mission about why we're here, why are we here? And there's this question that's been burning. If LifePoint Church didn't exist tomorrow, would Ames even notice? What Ames even notice? And the truth to that answer right now is where we are in our history. The answer might be no. No one would notice. But like I just said, our goal is not to build a kingdom of life point. But that people would be driving by and we'd be drawn in by God's presence. My desire is we rent out this parking lot to construction companies throughout the week that when they stand, when they get out of their trucks or they come limping from the job site and set foot onto this property, that they would be healed. That doctors at the, at the hospital would be confounded by the things that are happening here. That people who are depressed, people who are lost, people whose marriages are broken would find restoration and healing in this one Jesus. And that God would be comfortable enough and would entrust us enough to dwell here. So I'll ask the question again. If Life Point didn't exist tomorrow, would Ames notice? Make it personal. If, if you didn't live in your neighborhood, if you moved out of your neighborhood tomorrow, would anyone notice? I don't mean that as like the, your value as a human being. I mean that as your influence. In, your, in the community and the, the, the sphere of influence that God has placed you. Is your neighborhood better off with you there? Well, there's this beautiful story in Acts chapter 4 about the, the early church's response to persecution. In Acts chapter 3, um, 4, 5, and 6, is about two years after the day of Pentecost, the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit the genesis of the church. And so they, they're just continuing with, with this momentum, with um, the power of God being poured out. Well, in Acts 3, many of you know the story, is James, or 
Peter and John are on the way to the temple. They see a lame man who's been there for 40 some, he's been lame his whole life. Well, they pray for him to get healed. He gets healed, and the guy is obviously very excited about it because he's been lame his whole life. And he's following him all over the place, making this huge scene. Well, it causes quite a disturbance. And so they go and stand before the leadership, the Jewish leadership, and get asked these questions. And it's the, kind of the first time they experience uh, persecution. Well, they're not sure what to do with them, so they let them go. And then this, in verse, chapter 4, verse 23, it'll be on the screen, and we're going to work our way through it this morning, is how they respond. I want you to notice something. When persecution came, they didn't complain. They didn't become critical. They didn't become entitled. But the first thing they did is here in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised up their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain, the king's of earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against this anointed one. Indeed, Herod and, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. Let's pray. Lord, we do echo this same prayer. God, that you would shake us. That you would shake us. That you would enable us to speak your word with great boldness, to stretch out your hand and perform signs and wonders, that your grace would be poured out. Lord, do something in us, in Jesus' name. Mark us, Holy Spirit. So it's interesting, their response to persecution, in which Jesus warned them that they would be persecuted, but he said, don't worry, they hated me before they hated you. But they continued, they, they, they took it as a great badge of honor. There's another time where they're flogged and they're beaten and then they're rejoicing afterwards. They're so pumped about it. Yes, we're doing it right because people are beating us. Well, the first thing they do is they gather together. They tell them what happened and what do they do? They worship. They worship. Worship is that first step of surrender. Of surrender. That's why we come every week and we come together. And obviously throughout the week, I would hope that you're worshiping on your own when you're in your car, when you're getting alone with the Lord, but there's something special that comes when we, when we come together and we worship. For those of you who weren't here last week, man, God really just showed up his presence. He interrupted our service last week and did incredible things. When we focus our attention on Jesus, man, he pours his spirit out in a greater measure. When we come before him and say, Lord, you are the one. You're the answer. You're the answer. God hears us. It's not wasting time. 
But it's in this place of worship that they were shaken. They even quote, quote David, reminding themselves that the thing, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Things haven't changed. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up together against the Lord, against his anointed one. That the people of earth have always misunderstood the things of God. That there's always going to be persecution. But that's why they pray this prayer, Lord, enable us to speak your word with great boldness. What I love about this is that this is one of those times in Scripture where we see a prayer given, and then we see the answer to that prayer very shortly after. So they asked, Lord, enable us, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And then it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The whole place was shaken. It didn't mean that there was an earthquake that literally happened, but the people were, were shaken. The people there were shaken. All of them were shaken, and they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. Some maybe weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were filled. Some were already filled with the Holy Spirit. They, were, they had a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended, and there was evidence of that shaking. And one of the things that it says, they filled the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word boldly. They began to speak the word. There was a, there was, in, in that place of worship, there was a greater uh, um, understanding, a greater resolve that this, we are on the right track. We need to press into this. And I want you to know this morning that God enabling them to speak the word boldly is just as great of a miracle as when he heals a body. So this morning, I want to share three things in the coming verses about if there's a shaking, there's going to be fruit of that shaking. There's going to be evidence of it, and that's what we see in the coming verses. In verse 32, it says, And all the believers were in one heart and mind, and no one claimed to have any possessions that was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or, or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field, field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The first thing I want you to notice is the evidence of the shaking is unity. It says in verse 32 that all the believers were in one heart and mind. Again, this is a common theme when the Holy Spirit's poured out. That's a common theme. You read again in Acts 2 as the, the, the church begins to unfold. It's that they were in one heart and one mind. They were in one accord. We need to move together. We need to move together. It's like a school of fish in the ocean, right? They move and they go with the different streams. And even when they're attacked, they might, spread, they might split for a moment and then they come back together. It's really an incredible thing to watch, but we've got to move together. And it's all under this idea of unity is, is not uniformity. It's not cult-like practices, which is like, don't step out of line. But what it is, is a surrendering to the leadership of King Jesus. And if all of us have our eyes, our attention focused on King Jesus, 
When he leaves, we will follow. When he moves, we will move. Listen, consider the Israelites in the book of Exodus wandering through the desert. They were not of one heart and one mind. They were not submitted to the leadership of God. And what happened? They just wandered around. What should have been a short trip lasted 40 years. They just wandered around. But it's in this place of unity, surrendered to the leadership of King Jesus. This is a place where personal preference is secondary. Personal preference is secondary to Jesus' will, to his way. This is where consumer Christianity comes to die. There's no room for it. There's no place for it. Instead, we prefer one another above ourselves. I really believe God is taking us somewhere as a church, as a community. God is building something. God is, is, is doing something. And the coming years are going to blow our minds. But I always want to make sure that we're building the same thing that he's building. Isaiah 56 and Matthew 18, Jesus says, and my house, he says, my house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. It's his house. It was his idea. It's not our house. And for many of us, even in our own lives, we can be building things that God has no, he's not a part of. And one day the fire will come, the Bible says, and it'll burn away the stubble. It'll burn away the hay. And anything that was truly built by him will last. So what are you building? What are we building? Is this a Jesus church? That's why I want to encourage you, do whatever is necessary to come this Wednesday night. When people gather in prayer, it's one of the greatest indicators that they're serious about seeing God move among us because it's, it's this place of saying, God, our slick strategies, our marketing, all these things, they're fine, but they're not going to do it. They're not going to make the difference. It's his presence. It's his power moving among us. And we come under this banner of Jesus, unified under his leadership, and say, God, have your way in us. Amen. Are you still with me? The second thing is this. That is there, there's an obvious transformation. We see the same thing happen in Acts 2, where God moves among a people, and there's, a, there's, an, there's an obvious transformation. Motives and desires are changed. The focus goes from inward focus to outwardly focused. Notice what happens. Uh, uh, generosity, I believe, is one of the biggest indicators of a life change. Notice what happens is, is the Lord moves, and it says they were all one heart, one mind. No one claimed to have any other possessions that was their own, but they shared everything they had. And then in verse 34, and it said that there was no needy persons among them. So I know there's some people that would say, well, this means that Jesus was a communist or um, a socialist. Um, he is not. I want you to know that this was all voluntary, right? No one was being forced to do any of these things because there was a heart change that happened. They said, how can, like, like John said, how can you say you love when you see a brother in need and don't help them? And I don't believe it was just the material needs here, but spiritual, emotional needs, relational needs, so much so that there was no needy person among them. No needy person among them. And 
many times when we think of generosity, we do think of money. And that is true. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew 6 that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But I, this, this has an effect on every part of our life. We're generous with our time. There's moments where I'm on my way to do something and I, I'm like, I, I just got to get there. And I'm in a conversation and, and I'm like thinking I gotta, I'm going to be late. And Lord's taught me over time. I know some of you right now are thinking about, is that me? Is he talking about me? <laughs> I'm not talking about you. Maybe. I don't think so. But gener- being generous with my time. Saying, in those moments, the Lord has taught me to, to pause and say, Holy Spirit, is there something that you're doing right now? Is there something that you want to say to this person? Is there something that you'd want me to speak to them? Being generous, not just with our finances, but with our time, with our relationships, with our energy. You know, I hear all the, a, lot, a lot of times people say, I, I don't have time, and again, I'm not here to judge, and so if you feel convicted by this, don't, it's not, I'm not singling any of you out, but if you're feeling defensive, there might be something to it. And I love you, right? But I, I've heard many people say, well, I don't have time to do these things, but I will sp- spend a lot of time, countless hours playing video games or countless hours watching TV. I need my downtime, I need my, my time, and Again, you're free to live your life how you want. But I believe that God is calling us to a greater level of generosity as a transformed person that we say that this life is not my own. This life is not my own. That I truly did surrender every part of who I was to him. That we're not living in this life of like you're walking in condemnation, that you're going to miss it. But it's actually this life of freedom that says now I'm free to use my life, every breath that God has given me for his kingdom. Another indicator of this transformation is that you can't shut up about it. You have to testify. Notice they, they said that the, with great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. Now, none of us in this room that I know of are being threatened with their life or being thrown in prison or beaten. And yet, it's very difficult for some of us to even to say the name of Jesus around people because we're afraid, right? Well, we need to ask God to enable us to speak his word with boldness, not to be abrasive, not to stand on a park bench telling people to repent or burn, but to to live out of a relationship where we can speak the truth of God and testify about what he's done in our life. If you've been healed in your body, you should tell people about that. If God has transformed you, if he's done something in your life, you should tell people about that. It's actually cruel not to. But an obvious transformation you're going to tell somebody about it. So continuing on, in Acts chapter 5, we have this curious story of Ananias and Sapphira. We don't have time to get into it this morning, but the only thing I will say is that when we ask for a greater demonstration of God's power, we also need to understand that there comes um, a greater level of the fear of God that needs to accompany it that we need to handle it properly. But again, in verse 12, we see this answer to, to their prayers. When they were shaken, there was an, also an activation that took place. They were empowered and equipped and activated to be used of God in mighty ways. And worship team, you can come. 
In verse 12, it says that the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord Jesus and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on their beds and mat and uh, and laid laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil or impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Not only is there unity this, and an obvious transformation, but there's this activation that happens to God's people. When a shaking happens, the overflow of it is this activation of us being the people of God, of being Christians, of being little Christ's. And I, I love that it says in verse 14, it says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, more and more people were coming. So as a result, man, people were bringing their friends to get healed. Faith was increased. And maybe even Peter's shadow would heal them. And it even went out to the surrounding towns around and people were bringing people from all over and said, we've got to come here. If you're sick, if you're, if you're ill, if you have impure spirits. And they were all healed. If you're a follower of Jesus, he wants to use your life. He wants to use you. It's not relegated to pastors or people called into full-time ministry. Every single one of us in this room is called to ministry. In varying ways and degrees. But think about your life. What would happen if your neighbor came to you and said, I've been diagnosed with cancer and you prayed for them on the front lawn and they were healed? What would that look like? If somebody came to you and their marriage was broken and you began to befriend them and start a relationship with them, Lead them to Jesus and God begins to rewire their heart and saves their marriage. I really believe like, we gotta say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm laying down all my excuses. I'm laying down all my justifications for staying complacent. But instead, Lord, I'm saying, shake me. Shake me to my core. Change anything you wanna change. Keep anything you wanna keep. This last fall, I met a young woman named Hannah who was minding her own business and was a barista at Caribou when two Chi Alpha students, that's a college ministry, walked in to that Caribou. And Hannah didn't know that that day her life was going to change forever. She's preparing her drink, these, her, the drinks for these young, uh, for these Chi Alpha girls and the espresso machine breaks and they make a call to whoever to come fix it. And they're sitting there waiting for it to get fixed. So these Chi Alpha girls start to talk to Hannah. They say, tonight we're going to this retreat, we're going to this conference. It's a Christian thing, you should come, you should come. Hannah thought about it. And she said, yes, and she agreed to come. That night God was gonna shake her to the core. At the end of the service, I gave a call for healing and specifically that night it was 
autoimmune disorders, uh, gluten intolerances, food allergies. Well, she came and not a believer. And she came and she asked me the question, do you think that Jesus could heal me? Six months prior to that, she had woken up one morning and opened her eyes and she had no color and her peripheral vision had, she had like this tunnel vision and her, this pain in her eyes and she went to the doctor and the doctor said, you're going blind. You're 20 years old and you're going blind. Not only that, she had epilepsy and many seizures and autoimmune disorders. So she asked, and he, she was really asking, do you think Jesus could heal me? And I said, I, I think, I know that he can. And I believe that he wants to. And so we prayed a simple prayer, God, heal. God, heal. And she opened her eyes and all the color had returned to her eyes and the, the per periphery vision had come back and all the pain left her eyes. She said, do you think God healed me of epilepsy? And I said, I believe he did, but keep taking your medication. And, and the doctor will tell you, well, it's been since September and she hasn't had a seizure. Her autoimmune diseases were healed. Listen, because two girls looked across the counter as a human being in need of Jesus. Come on, God wants to activate you. I'm going to ask us this question again this morning. If Life Point Church didn't exist, would anybody even notice? My prayer is that if it didn't exist, there would be this huge chasm. Not because we have political pull or anything like that, but there's such an influence, there's such power in the things that God is doing here, it's noticeable. Would you stand across this place? Right now, would you just begin to focus your attention on Jesus? Just begin to lift your lift your eyes to Jesus. And the only way, in, in whatever way you know how to do that, just begin to lift your attention to Jesus. Attention is the fuel to your passion, is the fuel to your to to is fuel to your relationship. The things that you give attention to, you will feed. Just focus your attention on Him. He's the only answer. He's the only answer. He's the only answer. Oh, that he might be known in this place. Oh, that he might be seen. Ruler of all, King Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, if you're in this place and you, you haven't given your life to Jesus, I'm pleading with you this morning. Give your life to Jesus and he will change you. He will transform you. He will take you on the greatest adventure of your life. Or maybe you've, you've never given your life to the Lord, or maybe you have in the past, but it's just grown cold and stagnant, and you find yourself in this place of like, just dead on the inside, and you say, I need, to get I need to get my life right with the Lord. If that's you, would you just put a hand up across this place? I wanna, I wanna pray for you. Thank you, thank you. Is there anybody else? I appreciate your honesty. You can put your hands down. I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. 
Lord, this morning, I give you my life. I give you everything that I am. I give you my heart. I give you my past, my present, my future. I give you my kids. I give you my relationships. I give it all to you, God. Leave no rock unturned in my heart, in my life. No door is locked to you, Jesus. I surrender it all. I surrender it all. King Jesus, would you come? Infiltrate my heart. Change me. Transform me like I've never known before. Holy Spirit, come. Refresh and renew in the name of Jesus. Lord, and right now, I just turn from anything that isn't pleasing to you. I turned from pursuing this world and now I'm pursuing you. I'm pursuing you, Jesus. Pursuing you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to continue to worship. So if you would, would you just get out of your seat? Would you find a place to get along with God? We're gonna, I, want, I want us to just pray that simple prayer that God shake us. Would you just shake me? Would you shake us collectively as a people? You can just go ahead, get out of your chairs and come come to this front area. Find a place to get along with the Lord. We've got time left this morning. We're going to worship. We're going to fix our attention on Jesus. We're going to declare the truth of God over ourselves, over one another. We're going to ask God to shake us. Would you in this place, would you just, if you're willing, if you're able, would you just lift your hands to Jesus? all across this place. And we just say this prayer, God, simply, would you shake us? God, would you shake us? Would you shake us, Lord? God, anything that isn't pleasing to you, would you shake it off? All the dust that's accumulated in our lives, would you blow it away by the holy power of your Holy Spirit? God, would you set our hearts on fire once again for you, Jesus? For those of us who have just found ourselves coasting, found ourselves a cultural Christian, Lord, would you ignite a fire within us in Jesus' name? God, we are the only the wick, but you send the fire. So I pray right now that you would send the fire in Jesus' mighty name. God, shake us as a church, Lord. Do something new in us like we've never known, like we've never seen, like Ames has never known before. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.